everybody and welcome to another episode of Acento. My name is Carmen Rodriguez and I am Venecia and we will be your hosts for today. This is a space where we can talk about cultural and social issues concerning the Latino community in the Americas and we're glad to be back recording this episode with our friends Steve and Sydney and a very special guest Professor Serrao. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience please? Sure. Uh, my name is uh, Rodrigo Serral. I am uh, a new assistant professor here at Hope College in the Department of Sociology and Social Work. Uh, I started uh, last uh, semester, fall 2020, in the middle of a pandemic. So it's been very interesting, uh, these uh, interactions with the students, not actually seeing their faces for a whole year. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <clears throat> But it's uh, also very, um, uh, it's very fulfilling. I'm very pleased to be at Hope College. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, today's topic is the U.S. intervention in Latin America. And just as a disclaimer, we're no experts on this topic. We're just, you know, curious people uh, with an interest in this very important issue. Um, and we encourage you, if you want to learn more about this topic, to do you know further research and look into more information. Um, and you know this is a problem that has been going on for over 200 years. Um, so we thought it was really important to talk about it. Yeah. So for the first question, um, why is it important to learn more about U.S. intervention around the globe? More specifically, as Latinos, why is it important to learn about U.S. intervention in Latin America? Uh, Well, it's very important because for many reasons, but I would say that especially more recently that we had, um, you know, um, the idea of Russia intervening in the U.S. elections and that became such a you know, panic, like Mm -hmm. people were really um, pissed off with the possibility of such a thing happening, Mm -hmm. not knowing that the U.S. had intervened in more than 80 elections just between the 1946 to 2000, not Mm -hmm. counting the 20 20 years after that, right? Mm -hmm. So for one, um, just for the standpoint of knowing history, and knowing the history of, of the country and the the several foreign policies that would um, make that possible, right? Um, to go to other countries and deposing elected governments, right? Mm-hmm. Democratic elected governments, just because the <laughs> the candidates or the the uh, the the person who went to power wasn't aligned with the U.S. interests. So in that sense, you had you have a lot of, uh, um, I think you, you, it, it's very good for the public to be educated on such issues um, in light of a more, you know, more, um, the U.S. probably losing its prominence at the international stage and having other nations influencing um, U.S. elections. So to know that this is not something new in terms of the U.S. being the active player on Mm -hmm. um, uh, interfering in other countries' elections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just adding to that, I think it's also 
important to learn about this topic because a lot of the issues that we see going on right now in the U.S. and and in the world in general um, come from it. So we, you know, hear a lot in the news about the immigration crisis in the U.S. Um, There are several, you know, foreign policy issues or several environmental issues that uh, can also be traced back to um, situations like these. Mm-hmm. Are are you specifically talking about um, migration and stuff like that? I think yeah. that that's something that I keep in mind. And um, recently, I was learning about uh, feminicidios in in Latin America, and it's crazy how much I learned that how much I learned about U.S. intervention having to do with that. But um, we can talk more about that later on. So. Yeah, and I think going off of that, what are some of the effects that are visible or not visible um, that come that stem from the U.S. intervention in Latin America that you can think of? Well, I think immigration is a very visible mm-hmm. issue. Um, there is a book called Harvest of Empire that became a documentary that uh, talks about the you know the how the latino Im- immigrant or latino immigration to the united states um is a byproduct of you know the period of the cold war where when the united states really um deposed invaded or uh intervened in many central american nations and um of course, that's not the only reason. You still have, you know, poverty. You have mm-hmm. corrupt governments. You have, um, mm-hmm. and now recently you have global warming, mm-hmm. also as a lot of, you know, push factors. But you cannot ignore the history of U.S. intervention, and you cannot ignore that um, the destabilization of the region has to do with foreign U.S. foreign policy. And um, when you have like. Um, civil wars lasting for 30 years, for example, and having, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying because of of that, then you can think of um, how important, you know, um, how these um, processes have led to mass migration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's very common to to the countries that are, that suffer that invasion or that um, interference to go to the country that has done that to for protection, mm-hmm. right? That you can see that um, with colonization, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see how these countries that were colonized usually seek the metropole, which is mm-hmm. the the colonizer, and um, and the same thing now with U.S. Um, being the country that would offer the protection for those people fleeing persecution or violence and poverty. Mm-hmm. So immigration would be one top, you know, a visible effect of of that. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I can see this clearly back um, in my home country, Honduras. And I can just see how... I can see vis- like visible effects 
of U.S. intervention in Honduras. Um, and with that comes, you know, uh, a corrupt government, sometimes not chosen by the people, but, um, you, you know, having that U.S. intervention in the elections or um, whether it is a government that perhaps people are not very pleased with but really cannot do anything about because it's a government that's backed up by the United States. Um, or even back in the day with the banana plantations and banana and the United Fruit Company, um, when the U.S. came over to Honduras and kind of took over that whole banana mm-hmm. uh, fruit industry. Um, and a lot of people were, you know, workers there and exploited um, and just terrible situations. So I think that, like you said, there are a lot of visible um, effects on that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I feel like corruption is one of the biggest ones that happens in the like Latin countries, um, which I think one of the reasons why many um, citizens from those countries come to the U.S. right because they can't really like live there comfortably or just like live there without seeing something that's corrupt from like the government or something or the fact that they can't live well, so they try to come to the U.S. to you know fulfill that American dream or just live well, and I think that's what. One of, like one of the effects that happens from U.S. intervention, like the corruption that leads to the the people that live there, and then they have to migrate to a different country mm-hmm. to seek a better life for them. Yeah, and I think for me too, something that I always think about, especially presently right now with U.S. intervention, is the NRA. They provide a lot of the guns that are used in mm-hmm. um, Central and South America, and uh, a majority of them can actually be traced back to the U.S. I forgot the actual statistic from when I was doing my research on it, but it's something that, like, outside of governmental policies, there are lobbyist groups that are, you know, supporting the violence that is currently going on. And I think going along with kind of like the visible thing about like immigration i think like an invisible thing in the u.s is this kind of like ignorance is bliss mindset Mm -hmm. which is where like even within our even in our high school education and our textbooks and stuff like that we're not learning about these things we're learning about western history and you know like all these other things and we learn about world war ii about like three times before we graduate but we never actually learn about different um, things outside of that so not even just with um, how the U.S. influences like um, Latinx countries but even like Asian countries and like all these things just U.S. intervention on a global scale we don't tend to really see in our history books and I think because of that a mindset comes about of like we've never really done anything wrong I don't see how the problems now connect us to our past mm-hmm. 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 yeah yeah and and going back to the idea of uh, providing weapons, um, that is also part of the um, U.S.-backed coups, right, that mm-hmm. happens in Latin America. So many uh, of, so Latin America in general, and thinking about Central and South America, you can see that um, it has been plagued by coup d'etats, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and part of that is um, happened with military Takeovers and and also guerrilla groups that were funded by and um, weaponized by the U.S. Um, and trained as mm-hmm. well. So you have that idea that you can put like local citizens against their own governments, and mm-hmm. that uh, has created instability and has created uh, 
um, a culture of violence. Mm-hmm. I would say that um, you know can you can see in the region. It is the region where you know some the Northern Triangle countries. Mm-hmm. That's where you have the most um, numbers of homicide per one hundred thousand death. So. Um, you can see that even higher than um, Middle Eastern countries that are at war. And you can see how, you know, this violence is a byproduct of um, that time when the United States was really freaking out, you know, because of the possibility of having the whole region becoming communist. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- in that sense, the United States officials will look back and say, well, that was for a good cause, right? They will say that um, the that's only side effect or collateral collateral mm-hmm. effect. But I, I don't think it's we should see that way, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, real lives being lost and real violence emerging out of this. And um, um, I don't I don't I don't think that we should uh, uh, understand that, um, you know, if you are a progressive left-wing, wing, a left-leaning government, um, that should be deposed um, in the way that happened back, you know, especially in the 50s and 60s. But, yeah. Yeah, it makes me think about um, when... Reagan administration would throw a lot of money to the, like these Central American countries and such as Los Contras that would like fight against Marxist groups and it's funny it reminds me of one of um, it reminds me of one of the articles I stumbled upon earlier when I was learning about fem- uh, feminicides uh, and it was talking about how some like they're they learn about these horrible torture tactics and if you're even like suspected of of being uh you of being a marxist then you are targeted and the torture that they talked about was like horrendous and um and also i remember watching a video that uh, i forgot her name but she was a great um, activist and a, uh, an environmental activist and then she was killed so it just goes to show the culture of violence that you were talking about earlier uh, that's very dangerous and hostile for the communities that then are traumatized and then come to the U- United States um, and then it makes me think about MS-13 and all these other so yeah, yeah it's a lot <laughs> Yeah, MS-13 is an interesting case because they started as, you know, um, in the United States, Mm -hmm. in in California, Mm -hmm. to protect their own community from violence Mm -hmm. um, that they were facing. And then they themselves became extremely violent. And with deportation, that what, you know, caused more violence in their home countries. And that is another push factor for... Um, thousands of um, refugees, right, that are escaping from the violence and also the drug routes that um, Mm -hmm. necessarily, um, you know, if they are land, um, 
because they have the the, the C route, but the, um, it's it's really coming from uh, South America to to the United States via Central America, and then mm-hmm. that is also uh, very violent and mm-hmm. creates a lot of uh, deaths that could be avoided. Um, yeah, another thing that I, I just um, you know thinking about the history of U.S. invasion or intervention. You can trace it back all the way to the time when the United States was expanding westward mm-hmm. and the takeover, you know, from Mexico of their lands and the annexation of Texas. Mm. And from that point on, you have, um, you know, a consistent history of um, things like that happening um, throughout the region, especially um the Caribbean and Central America. Mm-hmm. But uh, South America has also been, um, you know, uh, because it's it's further away south and have much bigger countries, mm-hmm. but that didn't, you know, stop the U.S. to intervene. So mm-hmm. Brazil, for example, has had a coup d'etat in the 60s that were, were backed by U.S. government. So, and that... Um, that coup d'etat lasts for um, from '64 to '85. So mm. it's you know when I was born, I was born into that regime, and I didn't even know that mm. um, we were living in a in a military dictatorship at the time because mm-hmm. you know um, I was so young. But um, I remember uh, the processes of democratization and the you know people asking for. Um, for direct elections back to the process, which uh, when I was born, um, only generals could be elected. And those elections were not, you know, like very democratic in a sense. So, um, but then when you, you know, when you see who were, you know, the actors in, in behind those coup d'etats, like Brazil, Chile, Argentina, mm-hmm. um, you can see, um, U.S. Uh, playing in the backstage, right? Mm-hmm. So. And just a question that um, uh, th- those, um, I guess, right-wing dictatorships in South America, that was, I'm not sure if I'm remembering this correctly, but that had uh, the name of Operation Condor. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that is right. And it was really violent, especially in Chile and in Argentina mm-hmm. uh, with Pinochet mm-hmm. and um, so um, not only a lot of people disappeared like nobody knew where you know up to now but also um, especially intellectuals and um, and artists had to uh, go into exile to not mm-hmm. you know be uh, executed or killed because they were persecuted for more progressive ideas. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of uh, intellectuals going to um, to other countries mm-hmm. uh, just for uh, afraid of of dying that regime. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my um, my best friend is Chilean, and in high school, I really wanted to get to know more about her and her history and her culture because, being Mexican and biracial, I realized that it was different from my own. 
And there was actually a book that we read about the Chilean regime called Death and the Maiden. And it's a play actually talking about this. And it was really beautifully written and it got me more interested in Pinochet and like all these other like tactics that were used. And I think it made me realize that and like especially with U.S. intervention, it made me realize that this is now a topic that's very politicized when in reality it's just history. And I think a lot of people can't put that aside. And I think like learning about Pinochet and like that dictatorship and, you know, going into democracy and um, all these other things, it just made me realize that people really don't understand the difference between history and politics anymore and what can be politicized because I would try to talk about these issues to other people and things that you know I ended up reaching out to my friend's grandparents and they told me their story and like all these other things and it was fascinating and when I tried explaining these things to other people they were like yeah but you know like that's what the left says and blah 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 and like all these other things and and I'm just like no this is history this is something mm -hmm. that people live through this is something that it like the damage and like the hole in some people's heart from their family that disappeared is still felt you mm -hmm. know and but now they're turning it into a you know this is what the left says this is what the right says and I don't know it was kind of like something that I thought of while you guys were talking about like all these other things it was just like this is history you know and that's something I think we need to keep reminding ourselves this isn't politics you know politics can be involved but this is history this is what the U.S. has done mm -hmm. correct and, and if you go back for example to um, even to um, democratic like governments in the U.S. there were them from, you know, uh, not Republican, but Democrats, mm -hmm. right? So you're going to see that it didn't stop. It's mm -hmm, part mm -hmm. of the U.S. Um, foreign policy, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily a right or, or left um, ideology. Yeah. It is part of the overall, um, you know, imperialist um, culture. Mm -hmm. And um, so, for example, in, during the Obama era, you can see that um, there was... Um, a lot of, I don't know if you guys are uh, um, remember or know about Edward Snowden. He mm -hmm. was a NSA um, um, whistleblower, and he actually uh, exposed what the government w was doing in um, getting um, uh, surveilling other countries, and that was okay until he discovered that the government was also surveilling U.S. citizens. Yeah. That's when he started to, you know, tell. Um, he went out to the public and, and, and told what was happening. But you can see that that surveillance uh, had consequences because um, the in Brazil, for example, they were surveilling the president, the um, the first uh, woman elected president in Brazil, Dilma Rousseff. And she, um, a few years later, in her in the second year of her second term. She was impeached because mm. they began to find um, corruption in the gas company in Petrobras, which is a Brazilian mega um, in, uh, corporation, but it's a, it's a state company, state-run company. And because they found corruption, um, you know, there, there are, uh, you know, there are some journalists would suspect that that is connected to NSA um, uh, surveillance that once they found that they 
um, gave those that information to to the to the uh, politicians who were you know in the op in opposition, and then they started to dig deeper and then found more and then uh, ended up creating a very huge um, scandal, but also it led to her impeachment, which um, wasn't necessarily connected to Petrobras, but uh, it shows how, you know, like the United States was once again messing in other countries' mm -hmm. businesses, right? And so, and that was during Obama. So it's yeah. not necessarily a, a right or left thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a movie about that. I think I forget what it's called. Snowden. Snowden. Yeah. yeah. It's uh. It really goes in detail on how that all that happened, and then, you know, you're talking about the Obama um election, and, you know, I I feel like it's still probably happening right now with um the Joe Biden election and yeah. the things he's doing, you know, and many many people were like, oh, he's gonna change things and do many great things, and, you know, and some could say he's not, some say he he is, and. You know, it's just there's a lot of corruption and politics that are going on, and it really messes with just many countries. Yeah, and even in that um, Obama administration was when um, there was a coup in Honduras too, mm -hmm. and that led yep. to so much um, economic, socio-economic mm -hmm. um, issues that we are still living with right now, um, and. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier about this lady who was an environmentalist, a mm -hmm. um, activist. Yes. Her name is Berta Cáceres. There we go. Um, and she, um, she was a defender of the indigenous people in Honduras and of, uh, you know, their living area and and the rivers and the environment. And she was assassinated. And this was all um, through a. This was all done in the period of time where the current president of, of Honduras was like just reelected. And um, the whole reelection process was illegal because in Honduras, a president cannot get reelected at all. That's in the constitution. Mm. Um, but he still got reelected. Um, and, you know, like there was a lot of the U.S. involved in there as well because um, this president is from the right wing as well. So there was a lot of U.S. intervention in all of that. And, and so that's just another, you know, another example of that. And I just wanted to touch on that since you had mentioned her earlier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, like, yeah. increased homicides by, like, 50%. Huh? Like, yeah. like, that's just insane. Um, mm. Mm -hmm. what, what I find insane is just, just, just hearing every single thing that you guys are talking about. Um, like, how corrupt people can really get. And because, mm -hmm. I mean, people in like head offices, uh, the government, the presidents of each country, like they themselves are just people. Um, but as soon as you get uh, just like this, this, this ongoing like push for an agenda, uh, people can really, um, like I said, get corrupted and get stuck in those ways. And then people like the U.S. government takes advantage of that and um, that might be controversial I don't, I don't know how further i'm gonna get to this but <laughs> like <laughs> they, like in all honesty um instead of them like going into war and like tearing people up why not affect their governments in a way that like we can surveil into them we can affect election results we can affect the way the, their economy economy works 
Um, so it's very like an underground, like under the skin type of effect that they have on other countries, which tears it down even more. It's like, like um, manipulating somebody. Like you can hurt somebody in the outside; they can recover from that and be like kind of mad at you. But when you get into their head, like mm-hmm. you mess with them. And so what the U.S. has been doing is getting into people's heads and hearing their thoughts through the conversations that uh, other countries are having. I don't know, just it's insane. The power of greed. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It reminds me that there's a difference between politics and political science as a study, especially as college students. I feel like when everyone, whenever I meet somebody that's like, oh, yeah, I'm studying political science. In my head, I'm like, oh, you want to get into politics. And I had to learn as a student, like, no, those are two completely different things. Politics in and of itself, whether in the U.S. or any other country, is a beast all to itself that has to do with history, with a history of corruption, history of manipulation, like Elisa was talking about. And it's just its own thing that, like, no matter how many times we think we've uncovered the truth, we're like, oh, my gosh, they did this bad thing. There's always more to uncover. Mm-hmm. There's always more manipulation that has been done. And I just think that, like Elisa was talking about, I think that's absolutely insane. It, it's, it's its own monster, to be honest with you. It makes me think about all the communities that, um, the indigenous communities that have been hurt because uh, it goes back to like these environmental issues. Um, they're using this land to, um, to, train and militarize and then um these indigenous country uh communities are displaced or hurt and and um envir- environmentalists are also a target so it just mm-hmm. it's just very sad because um in colonization like that this is what you see the someone getting hurt over this imperialist agenda so yeah i mean they wiped out like the native americans like (laughs) um Mm -hmm. that's like the most atrocity like like type of event that i feel like we tend to forget just because of how progressive we are now our country has just moved so far forward that we don't get to like we don't actually realize about the damage like she was saying earlier like um sydney was saying earlier of just like we kind of just push it under the rug and shush it and we just, oh, it's history. That didn't happen in the books. Oh, you know, that's the left wing saying something. Um, and I wanted to bring back to that point of, like, um, when uh, we were talking about earlier on how, like, this land used to be Mexico. It was um, owned by Spain, and then, like, U.S. kind of just pushed forward. I think at that moment, like, we can, we as uh, citizens of America or we as just people in general, we can see how their colonization through the the Western expansion, like just affected that community of um, um of Mexico, and then then you get into you go further into like now into present and how like much more like they've taken over, um like Puerto Rico for instance, kind of establishing them as like a territorial of the United States, mm-hmm. and there's constant push to like kind of like expand the the border and uh, in the sense of like if you get Within, like, 100 yards proximity of the border, if you're a kid, like, you get, like, granted access. Things like that, like, like policies are being pushed in that movement. So, like, when, when does it end? And does it end? Well, uh, let me say that um, it today the, the power, there is a power um, 
struggle, I would say U.S. is not the sole power mm -hmm. anymore, right? So mm -hmm. we have the rise of China. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, um, having another imperialistic country like China, you can see some of the same things happening. But, of course, um, there is a, a much more bad propaganda for you know in the west towards what china is doing related to people don't even knowing what the u.s did right so we are talking about these things that are um part of the history of of, of this country and not a lot of people hear about that or study about that but um you can see that with the the rise of another power and having these um um, now more um, a, a less prominent position in, in the world stage in the United States. So I think there there is a tendency to look more inward and see what can be done for the people here. Like the U.S. has already uh, established itself as a superpower, still uh, the largest economy, um, still, mm -hmm. you know, the most militarized country um, with the, its budget tops the next 10 together it's still like that right but um you have the emergency of another power that has now balanced out these power dynamics and you have the u.s um starting to look inward especially i would say this uh, the biden administration trying to make uh, a government that is more um at least in the paper, at least, uh, that's what I'm, I've been uh, seeing, it, more equal and more, um, at least in terms of um, raising the standard of living for everybody. But mm -hmm. we still have to see how this will translate into real policy. But um, and, and so that's just to um, complement what he was saying, that when will that end? Maybe it ends with, you know, as... Uh, other nations rise in power, and then you have a, a, a dispute on on that, in, you know, at that level, that you don't want to enter into a war with these other superpower nations. Then you you just um, start thinking how to rebuild your own population, your own infrastructure, right? And and think about how to strengthen mm -hmm. um, your um, within your borders and not necessarily looking outside. Yeah. And I think that's how, you know, you, you can see that with Europe as, you know, the, the, the superpowers of the past that at some point they had to stop thinking about messing with other countries and start looking inwards and taking care of its own people. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what's going to start to happen with the U.S. moving mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. yeah. I... I like I, I just want to like, like talk about that. Like the U.S. trying to focus on itself. Predictions say that like by the by twenty twenty six twenty twenty eight, the China economy is gonna overtake like overpower the U.S. economy. And based on the three hundred years that this country has existed, I I and the way that we got to where we are at. I like I I want it like in all honesty want it to be, where we focus on ourselves. But with China coming up so quickly, I don't think we're going to focus on ourselves. I think we're going to shift into another, like, push to, to grow economy. Because, like, money matters. 
in all honesty. Like, that's the reality. Like, the root of all evil, some people might say. And so, with money, you have power. Even though we have probably the, one of the strongest militaries in the, in the world, with China coming up in that and leveraging and kind of, like, and that's the thing. They're wanting to be, like, associating with Russia and uh, other countries that are more communist-based. Whereas the U.S. is like, no, nah, I don't want to. Like, we don't want to focus on that. We don't like that, that type of government. And so we get into this little like, butting of heads where the U.S. is just wanting. It's so like wanting to grow even like stronger. And I, I don't know if if we focus on our, if they like the U.S. government itself or us in general focus on ourselves, we kind of like, not not have an impact in the world as China would. Yeah, but, but that's that's exactly right, because when you focus on yourself here in thinking about long-term processes of development, you are becoming less dependent on China, and that's how, you know, China be, um, became rich, was because they became, they um, ended up becoming the, um, Everything is manufactured there, right? right so right. the whole world is dependent on cheap labor, especially mm. uh, um, the types of. Uh, there's no country that can compete with with China in that sense. So that dependency is what led to so much um, growth of of China. Mm -hmm. um, but um, as the U.S., I think, look at you know, ahead, they are making an investment on on internal infrastructure mm, and bringing yeah. back the types of industries that can uh, reduce dependency on China. And, and so that has, uh, in the economic level, of course, uh, a, a potential to be, be strategic in a sense that um, that will potentially weaken um, China economically. But of course, um, the U.S. public will also have to be willing to pay a little bit more expensive for the products they consume. But that's another conversation mm -hmm. altogether. <laughs> but, but that's just um, something that, you know, when we're talking about these disputes at the international level, you have to think that... Um, uh, part of the growth is uh, how China is able to exploit their labor force mm -hmm. to the point of um, um, pretty much um, having no other country able to compete with with such a, a cheap labor market, right? So mm -hmm. companies want that. So yeah, you have to think about how capitalism works in that sense that... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and, and see how that is has damaged U.S. economy. And now right. it's, um, you know, a, a look ahead has to be how to rebuild that mm -hmm. in, 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 in terms of um, thinking to the, to the future of this country. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, does the U.S. then have a moral responsibility towards providing resources to reestablish um, Latin America? Because we were touching a little bit on, like, you know, focusing on ourselves. But, I don't know, does the U United States have a moral responsibility? We want to say that. Um, and I... 
This is this is a good question. <laughs> um, as the country that damaged other countries, we do. But if you look into the Middle East, like we haven't done anything to, like, help that situation. There's so much ruins over there, so much damage, and then we look to Latin America, all these countries that um are just way below us. As far as like, economic wise, <laughs> because yeah, <laughs> I don't say it. <laughs> I, I, this is that's a tough question. Does anyone else want to put that? Out? Well, um, let me say that um, the United States um, has attempted to uh, provide um, a, a restructuring of mm -hmm. some of these countries, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is uh, always a risk of being paternalistic. Mm -hmm. you know, like trying to solve the world's problems and this kind of thing. So if they, so I, I think during the Obama time, the Obama era, how, you know, the way people say sometimes, uh, they sit on the table and the, with the presidents of this, especially in, in Central America, and, and, and look for ways to work together, right? And, um, of course, that involved... Uh, a lot of money as well, mm -hmm. but they also have to create mechanisms of um, to secure that this money will not be used for purposes not, you know, intended in the agreement. So, yeah, you have um, you had uh, that happening, and then with Trump, that was completely wiped off, right? So mm -hmm. it was removed from the table and then it became much more a top-down approach with um, you do what I want and, you know, you have to stop migrants coming here. You have to close your borders. Mm -hmm. And so instead of trying to work with um, the country's economies and, um, uh, you know, refocusing on not just uh, uh, the economy but also um, the violence and everything that would stem out, you know, of that. Um, so with Biden, I think it will be restored, mm -hmm. you know, um, that Obama era negotiations, but and but at more equal footing, right? Without necessarily being imposed um, from a top down. Um, so I think, yes, there is a responsibility mm -hmm. of the United States played a role on um, devastating some of these countries. Um, mm -hmm. But um, they have to go, you know, they have, it's not their job to fix entirely. So there, mm -hmm. there's also, um, you know, this um, local government's responsibility to do mm -hmm. their part, right? Mm -hmm. And to um, seek the best for their um, on population, on um, country. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're running out of time here, but this has been a very nice conversation and a very informative one, a very um, educational one, and I know I've learned a lot. <laughs> uh, so I hope that everybody who's listening to this has learned a lot as well. Um, and if you want to learn more about this topic, uh, feel free to reach out. We can try to provide with some resources. Um, 
and yeah thank you for listening thank you for joining us in another episode and thank you to everybody here and thank you professor serrao for being yes thank a you. guest today thank, thank you for inviting me yeah. yeah it's been a pleasure